Man, I just like to say to Coach Saban and Miss Terry, we love y'all. We appreciate you. Coach Saban, we was in the pit of hell. We was in the pit, baby. The devil was torturing us. And you came along and lifted us out of the pit of hell and raised us back to the mountaintop, baby. You are the greatest to ever do it. You are a legend. You are a goat. And let me say this to you, brother. Change your mind. Come back. Nick, don't leave us. You know, when I left that uh, podcast on Tuesday, I would have never dreamed that I would be coming in and talking about not one, but two coaching legends. Um, Well, I guess just one coaching legend because Bill's still going to coach, I think. But either way, Nick Saban, the GOAT of coaches. I, I think he has to be the GOAT. If he's not your GOAT, I don't know. I don't know what the stipulations for GOAT is. I mean, he's got a pretty decent coaching tree. Uh, He's got plenty of elite players that have come through his program and went on to do great things. And he's shown that he actually does coach. He's not getting carried by players, uh, even to the very last game that he participated in. He showed he can coach. Like, this isn't just a gimmick. So, Nick Saban's gone. What you heard was from the Paul Finbaum show, which I ain't going to lie, absolutely hilarious. The caller's name is Legend. Uh, it starts around the 530 mark. So just just go to YouTube and, and just find that clip. Go to about the 530 mark and just listen to him talk. You know, I was critical of Finbaum because he's a nerd, but he's actually pretty funny. And uh, his interaction with Bama fans in general has been pretty funny. And that one clip, will definitely go down in history as one of the funniest calls I have ever listened to. Uh, and so many emotions by legend, which, you know, probably is shared by a lot of the Alabama fan base. You know, there's uncertainty. And uh, there's a lot of people, Ronnie touched on this on the You Got a Minute fan podcast. If you get a chance to go listen to that, uh, definitely check it out. But Ronnie touched on this on You Got a Minute fam. There was a time where Alabama was what we considered Texas to be or what we considered Michigan to be before their national championship. They were, they were a mid program that was just getting off on, you know, stuff that happened before most of us were born and Nick Saban saved them from that. So much so that I don't even remember a time where Alabama wasn't good in my lifetime. And I know it actually happened, but it's just, he was so dominant and so consistent during his tenure there that you you almost you almost forget that he coached at LSU. You almost forget that he was with the Miami Dolphins. You just almost forget that he even only I think he only won like seven games his first season. Hey, I, it's just an amazing coaching job. And you know what I've said all week? You can get a statue while you're still alive. You're a legend. You're a legend. So um I hope it's not health related. He said it's not health-related as of yesterday. 
Uh, so I will, I will, I will believe him. Uh, and Miss Terry's okay too, according to him, which is great news because I would hate for him to have to retire and and take care of his ailing wife, who he truly loves and is actually pretty funny herself. So um, if he's just leaving the game because he's he's old and he's tired, he earned that. So that's fine. That's fine. I don't I don't subscribe to the idea that NIL ran him away. The uh, the changing landscape of college football ran him away, like Dion was saying. I just think that's for clicks, and Dion loves clicks. But I mean, come on, Nick Saban is one of the more competitive, or maybe one of the most competitive coaches that we know of. The idea of him just leaving because competition is actually coming, I don't agree with that. I don't think um, I don't think he had any issues with dealing with the the kids either. I I personally think that Bama was already doing NIL before NIL, and there's a little bit of proof in that. I don't think that bothered him. You know, it probably bothered him that some of the asking prices were ridiculous, but I don't think NIL has has done the damage that people think it's done because a lot of the elite programs were already doing that kind of stuff. Kids were already getting paid. Like let's let's not be stupid here. But um it, it sounds good and it's clicky and Dion becomes a, a trend along with Nick Saban. So there's that and I'm pretty sure that was his goal. But uh there looks like there's going to be a mass exodus from uh, the Bama program. My understanding is that staff told the players don't hit the portal. They were going to hire a coach in the next 72 hours. Womp, womp, womp. I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. This this might be a hot take. I need a button for my hot takes. Uh, I'll get that next time. But this might be a hot take. I don't think Alabama is the coveted job that it would have been if not for playoff expansion. Playoff expansion gives you options. Before, like a Mike Norvell. Mike Norvell has been one of the names that's kind of popped up. I bet he would have jumped all over getting a chance at Alabama when it was a 14 playoff because you need that prestige. Now, you don't really need that. Like, plus, why would you want to follow a legend like Nick Saban anyway? And I'm being honest. If, if I can get to the same place without – going through that kind of struggle. You heard the caller, legend. He's probably one of of 2 million people that feel that way, especially in Tuscaloosa. You you will never live up to Nick Saban's legacy. You won't, especially when you got to think about you're going into NIL without the seven championships, without the 40-plus first-round uh, picks, without the the true work that Nick Saban put in, it's a tough, it's a tough climb. It's a tough ask. I don't know if if money, if there's enough money to motivate somebody to basically set themselves up for failure. And now that we've got 12 teams, you don't even, you don't need to be in the top of the SEC. Let's put it that way. The top of the SEC, you probably still need to be in the SEC, but you don't need to be in the top of the SEC to get a shot at a national championship. That's that's that was the thing. It was a premium on those four spots because there was only four spots. If you get what I'm saying, there was there was a limited there were limited options to your path to a national championship. Now, 
man, we got a bypass. We got an expressway. The speed limit went from 70 to 80, 85. Matter of fact, we don't even have a speed limit. Go as fast as you want because of NIL. And whoever gets there first gets there. So I I think that's going to kind of bite Bam in the butt, man. And I know Lanning was the first name that a lot of people threw out. He came out with a hype video because he, too, is an attention whore and um, said that he's staying at Oregon. Okay. <laughs> I saw a couple of people or a couple of spots saying, like, James Franklin's an option. Uh, absolutely not. They would, they, would, they would riot if they had to deal with James Franklin. Look at his look at his record in big games. And so every time they play Georgia, they're going to lose about 20 plus. They ain't going to accept that. Uh, the Sarkeesian thing, I think that Sark is going to stay in Texas because, again, Texas is coming to the SEC. He's already established his team. He's got Archie Manning. Why would he leave? Why would he leave? He's not leaving. So there's some delusion out there. And I think the reality needs to be faced. And that reality is is that it's no longer the coveted spot that it would have been. And that is partially, if not the majority of it, is because there are 12 spots in the playoffs. Hey, it sucks, right? Um, But, yeah, Nick's gone. And, you know, I I like coaching. I like good coaching. I like guys who are never at a point in in their coaching careers where they're not willing to take chances. And I always go back to the Tua switch that won him the national championship that took balls. I still remember watching uh, the coaches, the coaches room. I think it was Pat Fitzgerald and a couple other guys were in there and they were like, man, he switched quarterbacks at half. I couldn't do that. And then at the end of the game, they were like, that's why he's a legend. That's why he's Nick fucking Saban. And there you have it. So that, and just being patient enough with Milrow, I would have kicked him off campus probably after the first game, but he was patient enough with them. And um, he just always seemed engaged, always seemed engaged. I was a little concerned at the end of the Michigan game because, like I said on the podcast, it was the first time I can remember Alabama looking like they got out coached. That was concerning. But he's, he's always had a lot of staff turnover, and he couldn't really replace a lot of those A-lister guys that he would he would bring in, like, you, you brought in Lane Kiffin, you brought in Sarkeesian, and then you go to Bill O'Brien and was it Tommy Reese? It's going to be some drop. <laughs> it's going to be some drop. So that sucks. Um, and then, you know, he, he, I think, had his blueprint on on the defense, which makes sense, and, and that was always a solid unit. Even after, you know, they lost a lot of their top talent, they were always a solid unit. So. A legacy that will never be replicated, more than likely. And I'm glad to see he's getting his flowers while he was coaching and in his retirement or early portions of his retirement. So I wish him the best moving forward. Can't say those things about Bill Belichick, though. I don't wish him the best going forward at all. Actually, I wish him to continue to lose and lose and lose and lose and never get close to the all-time record. Or actually, get within like a game of the all-time record and then nobody wants to to hire him what is up with this idea that bill gets his pick of the litter like when are we gonna update our rosters man when are we gonna update what we like what our eyes see and what we know like when is when is that gonna make sense it does not make any sense that people think that bill belichick is is a coach that somebody should 
bend over backwards and get like the commanders. You're going to give this man a rebuild, basically, because whoever comes into Washington is going to have to rebuild it from from the ground up. We're talking about uh, with the fan base. So you're going to need some engagement (laughs) that already tosses him out. You're going to have a young quarterback. You got a broken quarterback already, but you're more than likely going to draft a quarterback. So you have a rookie quarterback. You don't have many playmakers in general. So you're going to have to basically roll out a young team for the next year or two. He's he's not going to have the patience for that. He he hasn't shown us that he's really a, a, a guy that you want with a young quarterback or player development. I mean, I'm being honest. He hasn't. Like he had Tom Brady for, what, 20, 20 years? Before that, he had Drew Bledsoe. He didn't have to groom those guys. I mean, he kind of had to groom Brady. But, again, that was 20 years ago. Actually, probably longer than that. And then he gets Mac Jones, and it wasn't even close. He never had Mac Jones looking like he could do anything. Bailey Zappi, another young quarterback. They couldn't figure out whether to keep him on the roster or put him on the practice squad. Up and down, up and down. And yes, they're not the most talented. They're not C.J. Stroud, but you can get a little something out of those guys, right? Or at least show me that Mac Jones can develop a little bit. You didn't even make the right calls to, to help his development. You, you gave him no offensive coordinator. Then you gave him co-coordinators, which are two guys who've never worked or run an offense. And then you give him Bill O'Brien, who... Makes it worse, actually. I I think Bill O'Brien's offense was worse than the Patricia Judge experiment, which is crazier. And you didn't give that team any talent to work with as the general manager or shot caller. So there's that. Uh, I did see a report that he was willing to give up his general managing duties, which would, I, I guess, sway me a little. But I don't want this guy near my young franchise. I don't want him near a young franchise. I actually don't even want him near somebody like the Chargers because they got limited cap space and and they got a quarterback who's who's good, but he's got his flaws too. And he's going to need an offensive coordinator. He's going to need somebody that can develop a better game plan for his abilities and also for the guys around him. On the offensive side of the ball, that's where I'm getting at, the offensive side of the ball. Bill doesn't know offense. Breaking news, hot take, Bill doesn't know offense. If he did, we would have saw a little bit more than what we saw with Mac Jones, right? Or Bailey Zappi, or in general in their scheme. Nothing about that Patriots offense says that whoever's calling plays or or, or coming up with their game plan there was anything about how offense works in the new era of football, which is get my guys in space, let's watch them work and give them yards after the catch. It's really simple. It's a simple concept. We're going to find our playmaker, whoever he is. We're going to get him the ball. We're going to get it to him quickly, and we're going to clear the out and let him work. That's the new age of football. And then in the running game, it's, it's a whole lot of misdirections and and using guys who have good vision and getting your your lines running one way, the defensive line running one way, and you coming behind them with pulling guards and things like that. There's there's some little nuances in there. Like uh, the the Lions have a, a pretty modernized rushing attack, and we all know the Niners do. And you don't necessarily need to replicate at the very top. Like I don't expect everybody to run the ball like Kyle Shanahan. 
or or like the Niners. But I expect people to be able to figure out how to run the ball. And for what it's worth, Stevenson and Elliott should be getting more than two yards of carry. And the problem with the Belichick tenure is if you ever find yourself complaining about the results and saying, like, this person sucks, that person sucks, it still falls on Bill. That's my issue. Everything falls on Bill. So this team has been one of the shittiest franchises for the last two years, and nobody wants to really blame Bill. They want to give him another chance. Oh, he didn't have a good quarterback, or he didn't have receivers, or he didn't do this. He, He had roster control. It's still his fault. I don't give a damn what he did 20 years ago. I I know his legacy. I know about the Super Bowls and everything, but he doesn't look like he can hang now. And if I'm going to hire him as my coach, I need to know that he can hang now. Like, that's a big deal. And if you're just sitting around just to to catch Shula, then I definitely don't want you because at this rate, it's going to take you three, four seasons to get those extra wins to pass him or tie him. And we don't have that kind of time anymore in the league, man. We just don't. So I've been seeing his name thrown around about the commanders. And then I also saw that the commanders came out and said, that's not true. I, I don't think it's true either. Like if Daniel Snyder was there, Oh, he'd definitely be the coach. Cause Snyder's an idiot, but Josh Harris doesn't seem like he's an idiot. I think he's patient and people think that's part of him being an idiot, but no, I, I think he has a plan and they're willing to execute it and see it through. And it's a modern approach. And if modern is in your vocabulary, then Bill Belichick is not an option. He's a fossil. And I'm not trying to pile it on, but I'm just saying we we got to let these people go. We got to let these people go. I just had a rant about this with uh, one of the hosts on our show talking about Joe Gibbs. Let, let that stuff go, man. You can acknowledge that this person is a legend, but also acknowledge that they're past their time. It happens. Let them go. I'm letting Bill go. I don't want to see Bill coach anymore. I'm sure somebody will give him a shot, but I don't think he's going to be a good coach, no matter where you put him, no matter where you put him. Even if he doesn't have roster control, I just don't think he can coach anymore. And now if you could put Bill as a figurehead and you give him a good offensive coordinator, like give me Bill with Joe Brady. I might I might entertain that. Bill, you just call defense and, and do your thing over there. Let me get a good GM to help you out and build the roster the right way. I don't really care about your input on players anymore. And Joe Brady, you call the plays. Bill, don't talk to Joe. Joe, don't talk to Bill. I think we can win some games. I really do. But that ain't going to happen, man. That ain't going to happen. So, um, again, it, that was probably somebody's probably listening like, this dude's disrespectful. I, I guess I am. Old people need to retire. Go. Thank you. Anyway, speaking of old people, Pete Carroll. I'm going to skip. I'm going to say Mike Rabel to the end. But Pete Carroll, man. That was that was surprising. I'm not going to lie. That was surprising. And he's actually an old guy that I'm not, I don't think, uh, deserves this. I really don't. He's working with Geno Smith, man. <laughs> like, what do you want from him? I thought they were doing fairly decent for what they had as far as, like, talent. They were competitive. Y- yes, the, the team didn't meet, meet expectations, per se, this year. But a lot of that is because they don't have quarterbacking talent you can't win in today's game if your quarterback is talentless unless the people around him are elite at all levels like offensive line running back receiver 
and then you can carry your game manager because that's basically the definition of a game manager. The Seahawks don't have that. They don't have that. I don't consider anybody on that offense elite, even DK. They've got talent. There's good guys. DK's good. DK has occasional moments where he's great, but he's not elite. He's not. He's not Tyreek Hill. He's not Justin Jefferson. He's not Jamar Chase. He's not any of those guys. He's not Cooper Cup. He's not Puka Nakua. He's a, a version of Debo Samuels that doesn't run the ball. That's what he is. You know, I take Brandon Ayuk over him. I'm not even lying. Hell, I take uh, who's I always draw a blank on his name, uh, his counterpart that's on the offense. I take him as as my wide receiver one over DK. All right, that's slander. I'm I'm joking. That's slander. But anyway. He's he's not an elite receiver. So nobody on that offense is really elevating Gino. Gino was doing his thing. He, he we caught lightning in a bottle for a season in like four games or something like that. And reality sets in. So Pete Carroll took the bullet here. He shouldn't have. Um I do find it very disrespectful that you don't even fire him. You just ask him to demote himself basically. Hey, can you take a front office job instead? Come on, man. The guy's got some pride, you know, and he's got he's got a Super Bowl and he's got a national championship. So I would think that approaching him in that manner would get get you the response that you're not looking for. Like like my man Wink when he cussed out Dobble. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into that one, but pretty funny to hear uh, the defense coordinator for the Giants was fired. And before he left. He said, F you and the horse that you rode on, F you, F you, F you, you're cool, I'm out, essentially. So, yeah, I don't think Pete Carroll has that kind of energy, but I feel like he, the franchise should have carried it a different way. I, I think they owe him a little bit, which I don't usually say that about people. I would say that the, the Patriots owe Bill a little bit, and, and, they, and they did it the right way. You know, it's time for them to move on and time for him to go see what he can do, leech somewhere else. And it was it was it was very well done the 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 transition from that the Seahawks not so much the Titans even worse <laughs> like even worse Mike Vrabel should be head coach now I, I saw a report that said that Mike Vrabel wanted roster control which I just had that little rant about Bill not needing roster control Vrabel's younger and I still think that head coaches in today's game don't need total roster control. I just think it's not possible to be an, a good coach or an elite coach and also be the full-time GM shot caller for the roster. It's, you just you just don't have enough time in the day to, to do that. And I think also that coaches who have total roster control have perceived bias against certain players so they don't see the whole field. They only see what they want to see because they want this player. Whereas you, you need a team. You really need a team drafting and, and scouting has to be done by a team because even when I go to the senior bowl or when I, you know, me and Ronnie do our little list, or I do lists with other people as well. I don't just do the list based on what I see. I do a list. What I see, I look at their list that they see. And then we ask questions. There's banter. There, then there's a, uh, well, I didn't see that. Let me go back and rewatch. Oh, man, you were right. 
and it goes both ways. Like there's been times I've I've looked at somebody and said something and, and you know, whoever I'm talking to about it didn't see it. And they go back and look and they come back and they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. He, he does have a little weird tendency when he throws or he does get a little too high when he comes. Evan Neal, I love to use him as, a, as an example. I kept telling everybody, Evan Neal plays too high. He plays too high. He plays too high. He plays too high. Evan Neal also is not strong at the point of contact. He doesn't have strong hands. He lets people get in his chest. Three red flags for anybody that's going to be a tackle in today's game. If you're going to stand straight up, you better be as strong as Trent Williams, and you better have good feet like Trent Williams, you know, because that's the only way. And Evan Neal had none of those qualities. And the Giants took him, and I was like, he's going to be terrible. Evan Neal is terrible. Boom. <laughs> There's been other people, like like I said, it goes both ways. I've had plenty where I, I've had calls and people have told me there were red flags and I ignored it, and it still hit me. All right? So you need a team. You really need a team. I think that's the approach to it. Let let the team make the call, and then whoever wants to be the person that gets credit for it, go for it. You the figurehead. But at the end of the day, you need a team. I don't want Kyle Shanahan with roster control, or I would have ended up with Mac fucking Jones as my quarterback. And we ended up with Trey Lance, which is even worse. Was <laughs> even worse. But somehow, some way, somebody in the back was like, "Hey, yo, that that quarterback from Iowa State ain't bad." Even though we were there to see Brees Hall, and we didn't get him, we should. Take a flyer on him. So we got lucky. So you don't want total roster control with your head coach anymore. I don't. And also, I'm willing to say I don't want my head coach calling plays either in most cases because a lot of these guys can't do it. Everybody wants to be Andy Reid, but ain't everybody Andy Reid. Sean McVay is another one. Kyle, another one. Head coaches calling plays. There's only like three or four that I'm willing to let do it. Mike McDaniel. Uh, because he's a prodigy, basically, when it comes to play calling. I'll let him do it, too. But not everybody. Not everybody. Like, if um, if you're stupid enough to to hire Kellen Moore, I don't want Kellen Moore calling plays. I don't. No. Like, I don't want Kellen Moore calling plays as the offensive coordinator. So, there's that. Anyway, that's my little rant there. Mike Vrabel, if if he really told them it's either me or the GM and, they, and the GM fired him, then, I, well, duh. <laughs> but he's he's going to... You know, if he goes somewhere and coaches, he'll be fine. I would love Mike Vrabel for the Commanders as an option. Um, I would love Mike Vrabel for the Patriots as an option. I would love Mike Vrabel um, with this idea that he might even go back to college and get on the Ohio State staff, which I think is far-fetched. But get on the Ohio State staff, and if Ryan Day tricks it up, he becomes their head coach or something like that. Mike Vrabel's going to have a, a – he's going to have his pick of the litter. So he should be fine. Uh, and the last coaching thing I have, because I have spent way too much time on this and I wanted to get into the playoffs, the last coaching issue that I have is the Las Vegas Raiders. I almost called them, I almost called them the um, San Diego, or sorry, the Los Angeles Raiders. Dude, just hire Pierce. Like, why do we have to do this? Why, why does this have to be so difficult? Don't make the same mistake that the Panthers made. We just saw a team have a decent fill-in coach, have some momentum, and then just mess it up. Don't be those guys. Don't do that. Give the man an op. Give the man a chance. Let him coach for like two years. Do do a two to three year window, and then if it doesn't work out, then you can get out of it. But like, don't 
don't not give him an option. I hope I hope he gets a chance. Like Pierce showed me that he had some capability of coaching when they went into Miami and they almost won, almost won. It was a competitive game through and through, and I like that the boys played for him. But that only goes so far. Um, there there was another coach that they had. Uh, it was like an offense coordinator or something. Right out the Gruden where the guys played hard for him, and I think he won some games, but he just wasn't that good of a coach. I don't get that vibe with Pierce. I really think he needs a head coaching chance. So hopefully somebody gives him a chance. It'd be nice if the organization that he's been given is all to as as an assistant would give him a chance. But the way they're dragging their feet, I don't like it. Um, Even with Harbaugh on the the out, like I, I saw a picture of Harbaugh saying to hire Pierce, I don't know if that's true or not. I wouldn't put it past him, but it just makes sense. Like, don't overcomplicate this. Anyway, let's look into the playoffs. I know everybody wants my picks for the playoffs because, well, I'm the best capper you've ever heard. No, I'm joking. I've I've been way too busy to really get into it like I wanted to or like last year. And it's crazy because, you know, you think you would work in sports like media. You'd have more time to get information and sit down and come up with some good lines not really it's been rough anyway saturday 4 30 start on nbc we got the texans hosting the cleveland browns this game here is definitely hard for me to to come up with a pick because it seems like logic to me says take the better running team and the better defense with cleveland defense travels is is cj Stroud special I think he is. I think there's enough evidence there for that. How much stock do I put into the fact that when the Browns came here, like what, on Christmas Eve, they beat them by almost 15? I don't know because the Texans are playing so high right now. It's really hard to to think that you want to fade them. And you're, you're getting two. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay the two with the Browns here. Flacco's not going to be phased by the road. At some point, Flacco's going to come back down to earth, but Flacco's always been a decent playoff quarterback, and I think that matters. There's just something about postseason ball, man. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be in front of a of a perceived all time great defense because the Browns this year have been amazing, and then have a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach. Ah, that that just scares me. So I'm going to lay my two with the Browns. Um, and, and see how that goes. But definitely want to see C.J. Stroud win uh, just because he would have a path to uh, Baltimore, and I want to see him in Baltimore. But I think I think uh, Joe Flack on these guys get it done. Um, Saturday at 8.10 on Peacock, which is, um, <laughs> which is a, a source of, of a lot of intensity um, or intensity. Man, I might have to edit that out. Anyway. It's a source of a lot of conflict amongst people. Look, just get a fake email, man. Sign up for the for the with the free trial and then watch the game if you really care that much. If you don't want to go to like Streamies or something, just fake email, sign up. Just make sure you put to unsubscribe after you sign up cuz then it'll it'll end after the trial. And that's that's the only thing. And, and Peacock's $5 a month. So it's really not that big of a deal. But it's just the principle for me. Like, you're making me pay for a playoff game? 
it's it's just the principle for me. It's not really the money. Like I don't care about a five dollar subscription. Um, and I use Peacock for golf and and soccer. So I'm one of those folks. Is like no big deal. But still, it's the principle. Like I shouldn't have to pay for a playoff game. But we got Mahomes and the Dolphins. And I say Mahomes and the Dolphins because that's basically what it's going to boil down to. 8-10, everybody by this time knows that the game's going to be super cold. Uh, line's definitely been moving a lot for the uh, Chiefs. I got the Chiefs winning by at least a touchdown. Um, and part of that is just because it's just going to be so cold. Uh, I can't remember what the line opened up as. But I, what I'm seeing on Action Sports is that people are taking the Dolphins to cover. And I wonder if that's because everybody thinks that they can't catch, which would make sense. But man, those elements, it's just, whew. I don't even, I don't have the data in front of me. Cause again, I didn't put a whole lot of like time into this as far as the capping. But um, I know for a fact that these uh, South beach teams or these Florida teams don't do that well in cold weather. And this is going to be, this is going to be cold for cold weather teams. So good luck with that. Uh, I think the defense of the of the Chiefs shines through in this game, and, and that'll be the deciding factor. I can see them winning or covering. Sorry, I can see them covering by doing what they did against, um, I can't remember who, I think it might have been the Broncos or somebody, where they just kept kicking field goals, essentially. Just kept kicking field goals, and they ended up covering. I can see a game like that. Uh, Tyreek Hill, his health and his, the status of his um, his ankle or – or calf or whatever he injured uh, might come into play too because that cold weather, man, it ain't the move. Sunday, Bills hosting the Steelers 1 p.m. on CBS. Steelers getting 10. Big number for a playoff game, man. Big number for a playoff game. So big that I, I, I'm i obligated to take the 10. I'm obligated to take the 10. I wouldn't lay I wouldn't lay ten in a regular season game with the Bills, <laughs> so I'm not gonna lay ten in a playoff game, man. I'm not. There's there's a reason why the playoffs are re- like statistically recorded differently. It's a new season. I know a lot of people don't buy into that, but it truly is a new season. And and what it does to people is it makes you it makes you kind of second guess a lot of things. Because the air, the margin for error in the playoffs is is literally zero. Because you go home if you lose during the regular season, you could take a chance on a ball that you think you may or may not pick. Because if the guy scores behind you, it's okay. Like, it's, I mean, you know, we don't want him to score, but it's not the end of the world. We got X amount of games left, you know, or that one game in a in a span of seventeen games isn't gonna really matter. Is what you normally think, right? Playoffs, not so much. And 10 points is a lot. It's a lot for a team that hasn't played clean games. They've won games. They've even had a couple games where they've been mistake-free, but it still just in general hasn't looked clean. And the last two double-digit spreads that the Bills had, they didn't cover, and that was recently. I think in the last three or four games they've had Double-digit spreads. One of them was a, one of them was definitely against the Chargers. They didn't cover. So I know T.J. Watts out. I don't know how much he affects the line, but I would think a defensive end isn't moving it more than a point. So let me get my ten here with Mason Rudolph and the Steelers. Four thirty. Dallas Cowboys hosting the Green Bay Packers. 
I'm not even gonna hold you, man. I'm laying it with the with the Cowboys. This Packers team, they're frauds. They're absolute frauds. They're not nice. And I, I can't believe people really out here betting on these dudes. They must be fading Dallas because they hate Dallas. Look at their last five games. They lost to the Giants. They lost to the Buccaneers. They beat the Panthers. They beat the Vikings who had, what, what was his name? Uh, Hall or whatever, the, the kid from BYU. He was terrible. He was terrible. And then they beat the Bears who just can't get out their own way. And you're telling me they're going to come in to Dallas uh, where a team is virtually twice as good at home as they are on the road, and they're going to cover the seven. Okay. Well, you guys have fun with that. I'm with the Cowboys. I like them. And then what I think is the upset of the weekend, I don't know why it's, it's considered that, but apparently people keep betting on the Lions. I love Meathead. I love the Lions. But this Rams team is dangerous. I don't want them to win, but I think they will. And that's why I'm taking the Rams' money line straight up. I think it's a good matchup for them. I don't think the secondary issues of the Lions can be helped. So I don't see how they get out of this game with the win. Unless Jared Goff plays mistake-free and he just does what he did, I think, the first couple games of the season where people was like, oh, he might be an MVP candidate. Mm. <laughs> I want to go back and look at all the people that – or all the players that people would hint after one good game that they would be an MVP candidate or they might be an MVP candidate. That that would be a great revisit. But I think uh, the Rams got it here, and, and, uh, and it's sad because – you know, the Lions worked so hard to get to this point. And then I know people are going to troll the crap out of them if they lose their first game. And I don't want to play the Rams, but I think it's unavoidable for the Niners. And then Monday night, this is the game right here. Monday night, 8-15, ABC, ESPN. I wonder if we can get that here. Uh, Tampa with the Eagles. Tampa hosting the Eagles. The Eagles limping, crawling, sliding into the playoffs on quite the losing streak lost four of their last five and they only beat the giants uh 33 to 25 but then the giants ended up beating them 27 to 10 and honestly they lost their last uh five out of six because pretty sure that niners game was before the cowboys game so anyway have not looked good home or away just have not looked good Tampa Bay comes in, winners four of their last five. Uh, their only loss was to New Orleans on New Year's Eve, but they beat the Falcons, the Packers, the Jaguars, and the, the Panthers. So what am I going to say? The same thing I said about the freaking Packers. They're frauds. They are frauds. I know the Eagles are bad. I know they're bad. But guess what? Even Vegas knows that the Buccaneers are frauds because I just told you that the Eagles haven't won but one game in like the last month and they came in as two and a half point favorites and they're now favored by three. That tells you that the team is bad. If anybody gets to this point in the podcast, stop falling for this crap because then you bet the Bucks and you say the NFL's rigged. This is literally the definition of a Vegas trap. This is what they do. I watched that Giants game against the Eagles um, from the from the press box uh, up in the commander's field, they looked terrible. They looked awful. They looked worse than they've looked the entire month of December. Can't get rights. Jalen Hurts is telling the media he hasn't even thrown a football all week. All the signs are out there 
And what does Vegas do? Boom. Hey, Eagles favorite. Why would you why would you take a bad team like that? They're, they're clearly on a decline. No, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. And if you do fall for it, don't be anywhere around my messages, DMs, and stuff like that um, talking about the NFL's rigged. I don't want to hear it. Don't blame the refs. Don't blame anybody but yourself for not listening to me. And that is all that we've got for today. So um, I will catch you guys on Tuesday. We'll recap the playoffs. Again, we're going to eventually transition into more basketball talk. There was some things going on in the NBA that I want to touch on. But for time restrictions, um, I don't want the podcast going for hour, hour and a half, me just rambling. If I get a guest on, um, maybe we'll go a little bit longer. But when it's just me, 40 minutes is good enough. I'll catch you guys next Tuesday. Make sure you subscribe, like, share all of our content on IBN, as well as my page on, on Facebook. And then um, I will hopefully have some good news that I got to the Ravens playoff game. And I can get us some sound bites or even some interview clips. So catch you guys on Tuesday. Good luck with all your bets if you so choose to do that. And prayers up to Alabama fans.